one of the Republicans who is defending Trump is Vivek Ramaswamy. And today, a memo from Ron DeSantis' super PAC laid out some advice for the Florida governor ahead of next week's debate. Among the suggestions, defend Donald Trump, but, quote, take a sledgehammer to Ramaswamy. And joining me now is the candidate mentioned in that memo, Vivek Ramaswamy. He's giving a speech at the Nixon Library tonight. Uh, welcome, uh, Mr. Ramaswamy. Appreciate you joining us. Good to see you, Jim. How are you? I'm good. Hey, let's get right to this. A pro-DeSantis super PAC, I'm sure you've seen this, has posted documents online that show uh, DeSantis's upcoming debate strategy. And that includes not only attacks uh, on President Biden, uh, as well as media, but instructions to, quote, hammer Ramaswamy. Are you preparing to be hammered? You know, I, I have been prepared for that for a lot of my life, and I'm prepared to take that on. The truth is I'm an outsider in this race, and I think that that is threatening a lot of the po professional politicians, understandably. A guy like me is not supposed to be in this race, according to their book. I'm approaching my debate strategy a little bit differently. I think many times if you don't have a message, you look to attack other candidates. I'm preferring to stand for my own message, asking the question, what are we running to? And I think if we're guided by that purpose, the attacks from the other candidates are not going to stop me. And the latest Fox polling shows you've gained ground, uh, more ground uh, since June than any other candidate. Why are you gaining ground while candidates like Ron DeSantis are struggling to catch on? I think the reality is I'm unconstrained in speaking the truth. There are many forces that work in both political parties, in the establishment of the Democrat Party and the Republican Party alike, that constrains what candidates can actually say. A lot of that comes from the donor class. In the Republican Party, you have a lot of super PAC puppets. I'm not one of them. I am a patriot who speaks the truth. I am independent. I am putting my own money into this campaign precisely to avoid taking a tin can with a hat in hand, asking a bunch of donors for permission to run. And I think that's a very different model from many of the other professional politicians in this race. And the good news is voters across our country, in our base, they can tell the difference between somebody who's actually sharing their own convictions versus somebody who's parroting off talking points served up to them 15 minutes or 15 days before a debate. I think the reality is also the message of my campaign is resonating. Shut down the administrative state. Declare independence from China. Grow the economy. Revive national pride. Revive our national identity itself. We as conservatives, we can't just be complacent with criticizing the radical Biden agenda. That's boring. It's trite at a certain point in time. We have to stand for a vision of our own. And I think I'm the only candidate who's actually offering that. I think that's a big part of why we've been successful. Let's talk about China. You, you talked about China. Um, you proposed to uh, radio host uh, Hugh Hewitt this week that the U.S. should help Taiwan uh, deter a Chinese invasion until the U.S. has achieved, quote, uh, semiconductor independence. Uh, does it really serve our long-term interest to say we support territorial integrity until a country is no, long, no longer useful to us? I think that moving from strategic ambiguity to strategic clarity is actually a good thing for the United States to both advance our interests and to avoid war, as well as to be a more trusted partner. I don't think it's credible when we make hollow proclamations to defend democracy or to defend territorial sovereignty as a principle when, in fact, we choose that principle selectively anyway. I think it's far more credible for us to be honest, to say that I will, as the next U.S. president, I stand for advancing American interests, period. That allows other nations to actually trust us. 
Just as we can trust them to follow their self-interest, they can trust us to follow ours. But Move are you sending a signal that an conservatism or liberal hegemony? But are you sending a signal that an allied democracy Please. could be taken over by another power just because they're no longer making something that we need? Well, let's get real, Jim. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is our current posture towards Taiwan is that the U.S. embraces the one China policy in the status quo. The standard protocol is a U.S. president isn't even supposed to pick up a phone call from the leader of Taiwan. In fact, when Trump did it, they laughed at him as though he was an outsider rube. And so the reality is that line of reasoning that somehow you're now going to call them an allied nation selectively to push back on my vision of strategic clarity is just a farce and betrays exactly what our current posture is in the first place. What I'm bringing to our foreign policy is honesty that will advance our interests. I'm moving from strategic ambiguity to be strategically very clear that we will defend Taiwan until we achieve semiconductor independence. I expect that to happen by the end of my first term, by 2028. But then China and can have that, Taiwan, is that? necessarily will change. But th then well, China can to have be clear, Taiwan? After that, by being clear, not necessarily. What that really means is Taiwan, between now and then, can actually spend what it should be spending on national defense. Taiwan spends less than 2% of GDP on its military. That is shameful. Taiwan needs to be spending over 4% of its own GDP. But by being strategically clear, we give Taiwan a chance to build up its own defense capabilities. And China will also know that it is absolutely not in China's interest, not any rational actor in China would want to make that move before 2028. In the meantime, what am I going to do? Achieve semiconductor independence for our nation and also build up our own homeland defense capabilities. That's something that's badly lacking. Super EMP defenses, cyber defenses, nuclear missile defenses. But if we're at that point by 2028, along with semiconductor independent, then no, I don't expect to want to send my sons, our sons and daughters in this country to die to fight over somebody else's territorial dispute. And I think that that's exactly what this Chinese civil war dating back to 1949 was all about. There are two reasons why China might go after Taiwan. One is to lord over an economic gun over the United States. I refuse to let that happen. But a second is sorting out business dating back to 1949 between Chiang Kai-shek and Mao Zedong. That's not something that I'm going to send our sons and daughters to settle. And you've also suggested that Vladimir Putin be allowed to keep parts of Ukraine as part of a uh, as far, part of a way to solve uh, that conflict. Um, what if he wants parts of Poland? You leave next? out the what most important part of that deal. More of Ukraine next. <laughs> you, you, Aren't you letting you some leave of these out the authoritarian most leaders of the deal off? What the actually advances? Far from it. I think that the Biden administration is so stubbornly attached to the idea of getting Xi Jinping to drop Vladimir Putin. What I think we need to be doing is get Vladimir Putin to drop Xi Jinping. Just like Nixon went to China in 1972, I think Putin is like the new Mao. I will visit Moscow, and I will pull Russia out of its military alliance with China. The Russia-China military alliance is the single greatest military threat that we face today. Hypersonic missile capabilities, nuclear capabilities in Russia, far ahead of us or China. A naval capacity in China ahead of ours, combined with an economy that we depend on for our modern way of life, those two nations are in a military alliance with one another, and nobody in either political party is talking about it. Worst of all, our engagement in Ukraine is further driving Russia into China's arms. So my foreign policy centers on weakening that alliance. That you advances let, American but interests. But you would let Putin have that parts of Ukraine. That is how we actually secure peace. But you would let Putin I have would parts of Ukraine. I would freeze the current lines. I would, 
I would freeze the current lines of control, and that would leave parts of the Donbas region with Russia. I would also further make a commitment that NATO will not admit Ukraine to NATO. But there are even greater wins that I will that get for the United like a win States for in Putin. return. The top of the list. No, well, he, our goal should not be for Putin to lose. Our goal should be for America to win. That's what we have forgotten in this country, is that driving Russia into the ground is not a U.S. strategic goal. A U.S. strategic goal is to secure peace and prosperity for Americans. And so, you know what? I do think many of those military resources being used to protect against an invasion across somebody else's border halfway around the world should be used to protect against the invasion across our own southern border right here at home. And in the meantime, yes, we need to pull Russia apart from China instead of driving Russia further into China's hands. And I think we have a foreign policy establishment in both parties, frankly, Republican Party and Democratic Party alike, that behaves as though we're in still in the Cold War of the last century, forgetting that the USSR does not exist anymore and that the real threat we face today is communist China, which is that much stronger when Vladimir Putin is in Xi Jinping's camp. All right, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it.